Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Navid Moasis with me. Although Navid is from Sweden, he went to high school in the USA where he played soccer. After graduating from high school, Navid went to law school. He thought it was the right path for him, but as time went on, he realized it wasn't what he really wanted. I invited Navid on Success Harbor to share the path he took. Welcome. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure being on your show. Thanks for being here, Navid. I really appreciate you taking the time today. During the uh, intro, I mentioned uh, high school in the USA and and you were playing soccer. How did you end up playing soccer in the US uh, being from Sweden? Mm, the, that's a, that's an interesting question because actually I pl- I mean I played soccer my entire life I was brought up playing a lot of sports and then as I kind of approached high school actually I I I still went to high school in Sweden but during my I believe it was my last year you know the the gap between the second year and the third year in Sweden I decided that I wanted to kind of go abroad and study you know, in the U.S., which has, was always a dream dream of mine, you know, and I thought I would go to California and play there, but they didn't really have, you know, the right teams and all that, so I ended up in Ohio, and I lived uh, very close to Cleveland in Akron, Ohio, you know, where LeBron James is from, for mm-hmm. maybe some of your listeners know, and basically there's, that's how I ended up there. It was not just I just wanted to go to the so US. So did you like apply from Sweden? I mean, was there like I mean, yeah. uh, there are so many high schools you could go to. How, how yeah, you, what was I the applied, process even? Yeah, I applied with an organization here. It was you know very kind of we were trying to go with my family like a year prior to that, but it was some issues with visa and all that to kind of get my entire family to live there for a year. So then you know between the second and third year of high school in Sweden, I just. We we applied, but it was just a stressful process, you know, getting the visa and everything handled on time so I could move over there. But, you know, when, once I got there, you know, I got more used to it, got into the American culture more, you know, met, have some of my best friends. They, they're still some of my best friends today. And we go traveling and, you know, spend some time together every once in a while. And they, you know, f- funny enough, you know, they are actually from Europe, my best friends there, they're from Serbia, and they are also kind of entrepreneurs, but more like in the car business, and they are doing really, really well now. So it's quite a journey, that's actually. That's good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so what happened after um, after high school? Uh, from my research, you went back to uh, to Sweden, and you, you went to uh, law school, right? Yeah, and I went back from the U.S., you know, that was about in 2005, you know, the summer, and we went on our kind of road trip in the U.S., we went to California, we went all over the place, then I had to go back, I wanted to apply to play more soccer in the U.S., but for some reason, you know, my family, they said, you have to go back to Sweden and finish up high school, so I have uh, one high school high school diploma from Sweden and one from the U.S. So I have two high school diplomas. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's I could kind of go to the U.S. without much problem and getting kind of into the university there or, you know, vice versa. Actually, the high school diploma I had from the U.S. helped me, funnily enough, it helped me to get into the, one of the top law schools in Sweden because my 
uh, grades from the U.S. This is quite easy there, you know, to, you know, for someone like me, it's harder in Sweden, I think. Then I got very good grades there and it helped me to get into law school here. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's why I just stum- stumbled upon that path. You know, my dad is a doctor. He's from Iran. My mom is a teacher, you know, from Sweden. And they, you know, it was kind of, I mean, I had to go to university, college, something, you know, had to go that. That was kind of, you know, this kind of traditional path you have to go. You know, I mm-hmm. thought that I have to get this kind of great job at a law firm, maybe becoming a doctor or something like that. I didn't get into medical school or dental school. And then it was kind of only engineering or, you know, mm-hmm. law school left. And I got into law school and, you know, it was great for maybe the first two, three years, but you know, I still had my doubts. Even the first semester, I still doubted myself. I still like, is this the right path for me? And I just went on, you know, I didn't think too much, maybe because I haven't, I didn't read all the books I've read now, like Thinking Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Crush It, and so so many books I've read now. So if I would have read all those books back then, I would have never kind of just kept going on something I wasn't really uh, passionate about or you know, yeah. it's, it's that's kind of funny only, because yeah. uh, when I when I went to college, you know, here, you know, I'm sure you heard this sort of pre-law, uh, you know, so yeah. I was pre-law in college so, and, and I was supposed to go to law school, too. And I got into law school and then I asked for a one semester postponement when I was supposed to start because I, I was very interested in technology. Uh-huh. And uh, and then I asked for a second semester and I never went to law school. So I never mm-hmm. got as far as you did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went quite far, actually. So it's not like three years. I started to kind of doubt myself. I started to travel a little bit more. I met more and more people, right? So that so was when, kind of so, so talk about that a little bit because I think a lot of people are like that. I mean, they might be in school or they might have a job and they might be, you know, they might have doubt. They might be doing something but not with 100%, you know, effort or, or they don't think it's really the right path for them. So... Give us a few of the clues that you had over the years that made you like second guess your choice. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that I did very well in law school and like the first, you know, two, two, three years. I still, you know, I got very good grades. I had teachers, they were in, encouraging me and, you know, all that. But I, I didn't feel right. You know, every time, you know, I went, I went traveling to the U.S. I, in, in 2010, I also went to London for, to live there a little bit. And I met, Kind of a lot of people, you know, they were very interested in personal development, and that was that was kind of the space I started in. I had the only thing I read so far in my life was kind of textbooks from school, and I never really kind of devoted myself to personal development or any business books at that point. But then I started to read, as I said, like uh, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So, what was it about personal development that intrigued you? I mean, it was just that I was not maybe happy with where I was myself. And these books kind of talked about some way. I mean, obviously, if you take action at the time, I didn't really take that much action. But I still use some of these things I I learned. Like, I mean, I, I was pretty good at connecting with people, but I, I even took it further. And I use this today in business. I think it's a cornerstone book to read, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People by, by Dale Carnegie. It's written... A long time ago now, but it's still, you know, even more it's so relevant today. And that's a classic. Yeah, yeah, it's a true classic. And 
that's helped me. And as you see, all these people I interview now for my podcast, for my you know event, and all the people I know, it kind of comes from that I started to build a foundation kind of early on, even though I didn't know any people at this, in this space at the time. So how did you transition out of law school? What was that decision like? When did it happen? Yeah, it was not really kind of a decision or anything. It was just that I felt a little bit ashamed of myself because I was always a person who finished what I start. And that was also a big thing since my my dad, he obviously, you know, he is, he's, very, he's very successful. He's a doctor, you know, and he wanted me to finish that and he wanted me to get a good job and all that. So, you know, it's it's a hard thing since I, I was not the person who had like tons of savings and all this kind of stuff, the safety net some people have when they start a business. I didn't have that at all. I probably was, you know, and, you know, I, I had probably negative, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have that much money at all. But what I did well was that I started to connect more with people. And it was not really I got out of law school. It was just that, you know, I said to myself, you know, I can't do both. You know, I had about two years left. I've got like three years of of law school. But then I was like, if I'm going to continue for about two more years, this is going to affect everything else I'm doing. I cannot do this kind of, you know half, you know, I, I need to devote myself to either law school or either, you know, learning all the, all the skills it, I need to kind of get to know. I didn't know anything about online marketing, you know, mm-hmm. branding and all this stuff I'm talking about a lot now. And I, a lot of people hire me for it as well. But I, I just like read everything I could uh, get my hands on. And I started to really, really devote. I spent so many hours and that's why I decided to learn kind of marketable skills so other people c- could pay me for that. And it's, so it was, you started while you were still in law school? I would say it's kind of started slowly, but I was still transitioning out of it. It was about 2000 and, uh, I believe 2012 or something like that. I didn't really, I, you know, I traveled a little bit. I Then I met a mentor. I was in the June of 2012. And I want to talk about the mentor in a in a minute because that's an important point. So, at what point? Uh, how far were you into school when you when you quit? So, you, did you quit uh, law school actually? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go back. You know, I am probably. I mean, I probably could go back, but I just didn't really officially do. I just went and never really went. I never went back. Actually, mm-hmm. I just started. You know, business. So, did you catch a lot of heat from your father since you know he's a doctor, so he's a well-educated oh. person, and. I'm sure he values education, and then he saw you quit school. What was his reaction? Yeah, it's like, I mean, he still is not the best, but he's maybe starting to accept it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, the more things I do well and, you know, what I'm doing now, maybe he sees it, but he he doesn't show show all all of it yet. You know, I have Mm -hmm. still some... I still have to show some more. The wound is still fresh. (laughs) Yeah, I I could say so, for sure. And, And that's... That's hard, you know. My mom is always was always very supportive of all my decisions. She just wanted me to be happy and all that. My mm-hmm. that was not the same way, but I think, you know, I'm all, I'm personally I could have probably skipped all the form formal education because I have kind of a more of an action mindset. I could probably go out there and do it on my own and just study all the things I've learned by myself, you know, by reaching out to other people, interviewing them, reading tons of books. That's 
that took my business and whole life to the next level. You know, just yeah. if you're on a budget, just read a lot of books, see the bestseller lists, you know, and read those books. You know, that's yeah. where I started. I didn't have a lot of money. And obviously, so you said I had a mentor, but it was really kind of inexpensive. And he's a really good friend of Yeah, let's talk about that mentor. Uh, who is that mentor uh, that that you found? I mean... He's a good friend, and I'm happy to give him a shout out. It was Nate Bunger. He lives in Colombia, and mm -hmm. you know. And how did you two meet? We never actually met in person yet. We are. I am. I mean, like, how did you connect? I think that's the that's the word I yeah, want to sure. use. How did you two connect? Mm -hmm. uh, we we met in a forum, and I saw that he had a kind of a you know a program or something kind like of that. Forum. It was Warrior Forum, actually. So mm -hmm. it's quite okay. interesting because I never hang out there. And he's not either. He's, he was not really a guy that would It was meant to be, out. right? Yeah, it was kind of meant to be. So it was quite cool that I met him. And he helped me a lot with the mindset and kind of all that kind of stuff. And, but, so how did he meet you? Did you guys end up chatting or did you just yeah. uh, send an email and then he responded yeah, I, back? How, how did that happen? I just sent him an email, I believe. And then we started chatting on Skype right away and that's kind of I got a lot of value from him and he was not like this official he had a coaching program like for three months and I I did that it was not really expensive at all at the time I was launching it so I got a lot of value and then I provided so let's value. talk about that what were some of the things that you learned from from your mentor that was really valuable or that is still valuable to you today I I think that the he, Nate, in this case, he was kind of not that many. He was he was ahead of me, of course. He was more successful than I was, but I felt that we could connect on so many levels. We had so many interests. So that was probably the most most important thing. Like the mindset he had, like as an entrepreneur, he got me into. I mean, just think more as an entrepreneur because I wasn't an entrepreneur, right? He had been that for many years. So and think how more as an entrepreneur. What what did he want you to think about? I mean, like just the kind of the rituals he had in place in his life, like writing. You know, I got really into writing and the and journaling when I was working with him, and that's something he did for his life, and that really helps, you know, and propel things and kind of visualize what I wanted to achieve more. And even though I didn't take a lot of action in terms of I, I was actually going to start my site in in September of 2012, but a lot of other things I procrastinated, of course. I wanted it to be perfect. And as we all know, you know, nothing is really perfect. Yeah. You just have to perfect. start. Uh, people who want perfection, they're procrastinators, like you said, you know, because yeah. that's easier than taking action, right? Yeah, and I was a big procrastinator. I was like, I, I've been saying I wanted to start my site for so long and I, I kind of got into some other things and kind of went from course to course and different things. And it was not really working for me, even though I was, I was learning, but I was not really kind of like learning the right things and focusing on the right things from the beginning. So what even were some of the wrong things that you focused on? Because I think this is very important for the audience to hear. No, what were like, some of the wrong things that you spent your time on? I mean, personally, I say that you should you should pick one thing and like really work on it till it sticks, right? I went from uh, wanting to start a personal branded site, all of a sudden I wanted to start kind of an e-commerce store. So you see the c contrast there is big, and I hire you know I, I that kind of failed this project. I wanted to start this uh, surfboard business. 
and it was not it was not working for me at all and and even though i was putting in a ton of work into this project it was it, it failed and you know it was okay i see this as kind of a as learning because i learned something from robert green i probably didn't realize it till after an interview i had with him and he said that no moment is wasted if you learn the lessons contained in every experience and that's kind of the whole story i used to think that kind of law school was all a waste of time and to some degree it is but i believe that i also learned a lot of things from that experience and maybe i wouldn't wouldn't have ended up where i am today without this so that's okay. kind of what i took away yeah uh, it sounds it sounds good now let's talk about starting as an entrepreneur what was your first um attempt or when was your first attempt when you when you you decided that you want to be an entrepreneur I mean, that was actually in 2012, you know, when I, I started to doing some niche sites and, you know, it didn't really work out at all. So that, that was... Why did of, it not work out now that you look back? Because I really, I wasn't, I wasn't even interested in the topic, you know, some medical sites, whatever. And they, it was just because I was, I was after kind of the quick money and that doesn't work, you know, in... If you, if you look back, that was not what I wanted to do. I want to impact people. I want to help people. I don't want to be invisible like behind you know some niche site that I don't even know. But that was not me. So you know I I decided to focus on kind of finding my why. Why do I why why do I do what I do? And so I, if if I don't do know my why, how am, how are other people going to know that? Like why am I getting up in the morning? How I serve them and so on. So you so you had a few failed attempts. Um, when did things start to kind of you know start turn around a little bit? I mean, I mean the big turning point for me was in uh, April of 2013 when my younger brother he uh, you know passed away, just 22 years old. And I'm sorry to hear that. Yes, that was kind of why that's kind of culminated in a lot of things because you know as I said I've been trying to start a lot of things I I said to people you know I'm going to launch my site and so on but didn't really have anything live for the world to check out for the world to see so I mean I thought to myself you know you know life is super precious and I need to get something going but it took about 2 months after that and then you know, I just decided after I saw Pat Flynn, he had actually a, a book that came out called Let Go, and he had a Let Go Day, and I was going to interview him for it. So I reached out to Pat Flynn, and he said, How sure. did you reach out to him? He had actually, he, he, said, he invited his community to interview him for, for, for this kind of Let Go Day he had. So I just reached out and said, hey, Pat, you know, I'm launching my site soon. So I didn't even have my site live. And I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's quite funny. Like my first ever interview, and it's with Pat Flynn, one of the kind of biggest online entrepreneurs. But I did that. And he said, yes, like right in just in a few minutes, he replied back. And I was like, wow, now I have an interview with him in a few days. How I'm going to prepare for this because this is my first one, you know, I didn't know the t technology. I didn't know how to set it up really. And it was maybe not my best, but still I did it. And I managed to launch my website, navidmoasis.com, just a few days after I interviewed Pat Flynn on, at exactly the right time on his Let Go Day. So I launched my site there. And 
that was big for me. And I, man, I still remember, I, I have about 100 comments almost on that first, very first blog post I ever put out there. It was my first thing I ever wrote online. I kind of interviewed Pat Flynn. Then I wrote this very detailed kind of post about, you know, what we talked about in the interview. And it was really popular. And people, you know, were also interested since it was my first thing. And I've been talking a lot, a lot about it. So I kind of built up anticipation. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like an awesome start. So that pretty much kind of pushed you to, to get your site online, right? Because, I mean, you already, you know, you interviewed somebody that's, a, you know, really respected member of the online, uh, you know, entrepreneurial community. And now, you know, you couldn't procrastinate more, right? You had to get something online. Yeah, and that's what I did. And, you know, just, you know, I was probably not ready, but, you know, act before you're ready. It's like so, my mantra, you know, and just takes this small step because you never know where it will lead. You know, I didn't really have this big, you know, picture where I will end up a year later. I just wanted to connect with as many people as possible, provide them with value. And that's kind of the way I started. I did a lot of interviews with people. Even I didn't have a podcast or anything at the time. Now I have the lifestyle Arctics in iTunes and it's going quite well. But then I just put them on my website and started connecting with people and that's how I started. I kind of documented my journey. I took this approach because I knew knew that some people, they would think that my kind of journey, my entrepreneurial journey was, you know, a little bit interesting, the background I came from. And then I, as I went on, I kind of figured things out. You know, I got more clear over, over my message and brand. I got people to kind of see the quality of content I put out there. I did a 30-day blog challenge. So I got really good, you know, in my writing. I got, you know, found my voice there. And that's people started to connect with me more and more. So that's kind so, of how I started. So let's, let's talk about that. So you started uh, blogging. And then, you know, you mentioned that people started to, you know, to take notice. Um, what kind of people took notice? Uh, how, how, did that, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean... I joined, you know, a few kind of courses, masterminds, and I met friends that were kind of on my level. So not only kind of influencers or more successful people. So I kind of formed these, you know, smaller groups of people. And mm -hmm. I also went to other websites to kind of interact with people, comment there. So they came, you know, to my site and saw, oh, Navid has a great post. You know, I must comment, mm -hmm. comment here or share this post. So that's kind of how I got a little bit of traction early on. And you get you know, this uh, momentum going because that's otherwise you can give up. You know, if you have like a post, you spend like five to, I don't know, sometimes even now these days I write this really long guides, take me 20 plus hours to write. And, you know, if no one pays attention, you know, it's like very easy to give up and like say, oh, why should I spend so, many, so much time on this when no one cares? So when you write, let's say, uh, one of these longer blog posts that you work, you know, maybe like 20 hours writing, mm -hmm. um, what do you do then to promote it? To, to, because, I mean, that's one thing that, uh, that you have to have really good content. That's like step number one, right? But then a lot of people think that's it. You just walk away from it and then good things will happen. But that's really not the case. So what do you do? How do you promote your blog? How do you make sure that people take notice? Yeah, that's a really great question. I like to talk about this too because it's uh, 
It's actually interesting that, you know, I, I think Derek Halpern said something like, you know, you should spend 20% of your time on content creation and create this really great content, obviously, but then also 80% on the promotion. And most people, they don't do this. They are just think their work ends when they finish this blog post. But to me, there's so many ways. For example, you can form these groups. If you are a beginner, form these kind of groups of 10 to 20 people, you know, and that can be your peers, you're just starting out and you can, you know, go comment on each other's blog posts, you know, thoughtful comments. And then you can share the posts on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, LinkedIn, whatever you use. And that's how you build up momentum. Then mm -hmm. if you want other people, I these days I use also do a lot of outreach. So it really so give us some examples. Uh, how, do you email people? Do you yeah. do it through Twitter, Facebook? Sure. How do you do it? Sure. I. I use if it's friends, I can use Facebook. I have some people on Twitter lists, but a fantastic tool I use is called Basumo.com, mm -hmm. and through this tool, you can actually you can actually find you know very similar content to yours. Let's say I wrote a post about personal branding, then I search personal branding in the search bar there. And it comes up, you know, the most popular post about personal branding. Then I see who shared this post on Twitter and I see the influencers. I see other people as well. Then I can find their email address um, like they use for Twitter. Then I can uh, use a tool called Reportive uh, in my Gmail and I can actually test. I use the same tool. <laughs> yes, and it's fantastic. Why? Because you can see the picture of the, of the person there and you can actually test if the email address is correct. And mm -hmm. that's how I start to do the outreach. So let's say, you know, they wrote, they wrote this really great post or they shared this article. So you can say, hey, you know, I, I saw that you shared this article about, uh, you know, per, uh, five, to, five steps to build a, a powerful personal brand online. And then you can say, I, I just put together, you know, something similar, but I added these five things. And then you just like add this article and, you know, most people, a lot of people at least, they are very likely to share this. But obviously the percentage, you have to test this a little bit, but it works. It works. I've tried mm -hmm. this many, many times, but it just, it's just work. It takes a lot of time and that's why people don't do it. But if mm -hmm. you want to reach more people, if you want to reach the right audience for for you, what you are doing for your business and brand, then this is a fantastic strategy together with kind of forming these relationships with that, which I talked about. So you have this support community that share your content no matter what. And even, you know, building relationships with influencers, if you provide them enough value, let's say you leave Amazon reviews of their book, you start to comment on their site, thoughtful comments, then they will also start to pay attention to you more. So they can, they maybe share your content and they have big audiences. So, so that's that's one way, um, you know, reaching out and you know, either email or social media. Do you do anything else to promote your blog or any other ways? Yeah. Yes, and the best, best, one of the best ways, or if not the best, you know, you need to build the email list from day one, and that's something. It's my kind of number one metric how I measure my success. And every time now, you know, when I have a blog post or something of important of importance to say, I always email my list, you know, that's kind of my community, the tribe I'm building there. And it's all in the relationship I build with my list. That's where the money is. And that's 
kind of your community because that's the only asset you own. You don't own anything on Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. You know, that's not your asset, but your email list, that's it. So yeah, I use Aweber for that and that's working great. And mm-hmm. really, that's, that's uh, the best way to promote. And so many people, they're afraid to email their list and just let people know and say, hey, I have a new, new post. If, feel free to check it out you know that people don't do this enough and mm-hmm. i this kind of fear of self-promotion or something but i, I just uh, think that if you have something really valuable that you spend a few hours creating why not let your list know that they're already in your community they signed mm-hmm. up to your list so yeah. i think that's number one and after you have emailed your list then you can also do obviously all these other strategies they also work great so how do you make money Tell, tell me, uh, I mean, you know, stuff law school, started to get into, uh, you know, blogging and got to interview Pat Flynn and, uh, you know, building your, you know, building your audience, building your email list. But how does how does Navid make money? Sure. And, you know, early on, actually, I started to I mean, I, I was all about providing a lot of value, but early on, I got a few affiliate sales here and there, you know, and that was kind of a little traction. You know, after two, three weeks of starting my blog, I made my first maybe $14 online, but obviously that's not paying the bills. But I can tell you a story, you know, of how I made actually $5,000, you know, of an affiliate promotion to list smaller than a thousand people. So that all starts with the relationship I built with kind of, Someone that worked with Ramit Sethi before, he was, his name is Michael Alexis, and and he introduced me to an opportunity to interview some of Ramit's students uh, for his uh, courses and wanted to do case study interviews. So I did that. I interviewed them for my podcast, and then an opportunity came to get involved in his affiliate program, and they emailed me about this and said, yeah, why, why don't you promote you know, Zero to Launch? which is Ramit's premium course on how to build an online business. And I was already a member of that course, actually, so it made sense to promote it. And I did that to my list. And it kind of I didn't think I would make kind of that much money of it, but then it just came after, you know, so I made maybe 10 sales, but it was a premium course. I didn't need as then many sales. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a, an aha moment that, wow, you can actually, you, you just need a really, really good relationship with your list to make a good money and that that's kind of one way I make money with affiliates mm-hmm. uh, so really what else? Uh, yeah what else consulting and coaching obviously I have mm-hmm. like about I tend to take on about five clients a month for five clients I focus mostly on building my brand right now but a few clients every month you know and they I help them with everything from kind of building their personal brand online you know taking it through all these steps and or, or also something I've been doing now since I have a virtual summit coming. I also help people launch a virtual summit. I help them with the podcast, the launch. I helped Simon Granner actually. I think he was on your show, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And I helped him launch his podcast into the new Northworthy and so on. So that's kind of some things I do in terms of consulting. And obviously that's you know not passive income, but it's helping me you know leverage that I get into my audience heads you know what's what are they struggling with and I can create something around that and something so, else I yeah go ahead go ahead yeah and something else I did early this year is I founded a branding agency since that's what I do help people with their personal brands so I have actually a designer kind of on my team 
and we do premium uh, website designs that really convert, you know, for mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs and startup companies. So that's that's a great way to add some additional money when I focus on building kind of my audience, my email list, and all this. That actually I put out a lot of free content. Actually, so that's so, what I want to get into more products, you know, uh, courses. That's for later. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about personal branding. So. I don't know if you can maybe talk about like one or two things that, you know, some of the people that come to you that, that you help help them with. So what are like maybe one or two key issues that, that people need help with or that people are like not doing the right way? Yeah, I mean, one thing I see a lot, and that's something I struggle with myself, is that they they're a little bit afraid to narrow down their focus. And I always say that, you need to know what you're an expert in, and then you need to know who you are targeting or who you are trying to help, right? So a lot of people, I actually have a, a summit coming, an on, online event called the Branding Summit. So I went out of my way to interview about 60 people for it. And there, a lot of people, all of them, they say that, you know, it's important to have an avatar, be very clear of who your audience is in terms of kind of narrowing down instead of going just branding in my case I went not only personal brand that can be for career professionals but I kind of narrowed down even further so we say personal branding for kind of online entrepreneurs more creative entrepreneurs and you can even do it further and further you know you see I can go for personal branding help like authors speakers and that's how you do if you like if you're a fitness professional you you're not gonna it's going to be much harder to make some noise if you're just a fitness fitness coach instead of if you kind of help maybe busy moms and you know busy pregnant moms in, in yeah San busy Francisco. pregnant moms that also own dogs you know yeah like <laughs> doing fitness like for yeah, yeah something like something really really specific and it hurts you know it's you know it like niche down until it hurts but it, it's it's really important and. It's not like you can't make it if you are going more broad. It's just going to be a lot harder, you know, and, and people tend to give up if they don't have the focus to really do that. And something else is that people think they, they turn away people when they have this maybe specific person in mind that they are talking to. But that's not really the case. Even though you're talking to one specific person, like, you know, which an avatar is, you're talking to maybe he's 28 years old and he's uh, going on this jog every morning and doing all these things. And then you think that's kind of turning other people away. It's not, you, you're still going to get other people that want to work with you. It's just that you're very specific on who your kind of ideal person is. And that can be important for some. I've also heard that it can work just to have a very specific audience and see who you're actually talking to. It can be also many people, but yeah, I've heard both actually work. So what yeah. you need to find what works for you. I think that's kind of the answer I have to this, but just narrow down your focus. Otherwise, it'll be hard to really resonate with an, an audience and make make some money from it. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Um, how can, uh, you mentioned that you're putting together a, a program how can people uh, find out more about that program? Is that do you have a website for it? Yeah, I mean, I have a website. It's going live very, very soon. I think when this goes live, it'll be up there. So it's called the Branding Summit, and that's an online event I am launching in November. And I have some really amazing speakers that kind of will help you 
to build your authority and personal brand online and really take things to the next level for you. Like I have John Lee Dumas, Neil Patel, uh, Marisa Murgatroyd. I have so many great speakers on this event and it took me a long time to put together, but it's all available and you can sign up over at thebrandingsummit.com and that's the first page. And if you're interested in virtual summits, you can actually see how I did everything with the marketing funnel and how I set everything up and that's you know free to sign up for during the course of November and then it's actually a product I'm creating as well. Well, that sounds really good. I, I really appreciate, uh, Navid, uh, that you took the time today to come on uh, Success Harbor. What is that URL again to sign on to this virtual summit? Yeah, the, the brandingsummit.com is the URL for the virtual summit. And obviously, everything I'm up to is over at navidmoasis.com or navid.me. Sounds good. And I'm going to have a link to uh, to navidmoasis.com in the show notes uh, once this uh, uh, podcast goes live. Again, Navi, thank you very much. And I, I wish you much success with your event in, uh, in November. And I hope you can come back maybe a year from now and talk about some of the new things that you're doing. Definitely. I'd be happy to. Thanks so much. Thank you. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Bye.